Welcome to The Legal Lowdown. I'm Diana Baudet. Today we'll be talking about COVID-19 and considerations for Massachusetts employers with Barton Gilman attorney Greg Vandenichel. Greg, thank you for joining us and I should mention joining us from home. Happy to be doing this in these incredibly unique uh, circumstances. So thank you for hosting. Great. So I think we should probably delve right in because the information that you lay out today may be kind of different tomorrow. So we might as well dive right in. I, I think I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, you know, as you mentioned, it's a very unique time. Information is going very, very quickly. Changes are being made very quickly. And for employers, I'm sure this is particularly challenging because they are trying to respond on a number of levels in terms of taking care of employees, trying to keep their business somewhat thriving, if that's still possible, and staying within the legal ramifications of doing both of those things while they're constantly changing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a incredibly fluid situation. I was telling somebody the other day that I feel like each morning I wake up and there's a thousand new wrinkles that need to be considered and dealt with, and uh, it, it's almost daily whiplash trying to follow all the various agencies and the the guidance that are coming out. So anything we can do to kind of provide some high level legal guidance, I think I think can go a long way. Yeah, it's probably hard to even categorize, but what would you say is the the most prominent concern right now? What you know, what would employers be reaching out to you for? Yeah, so I think I think a week ago I would have answered what sort of preventative measures do we put in place and how do we handle employees who may have had direct or indirect exposure to what we thought at that point was kind of a limited number of individuals infected with COVID-19. Now, I think the biggest consideration is, what do I do as an employer as far as leave policies, continue wage policies, and you know business operations as I'm finding out that the, the spread of COVID-19 is far wider than, than it was a week ago and had a significant impact on my actual operations as opposed to my planning. Okay. Are you still advising employers in terms of COVID-19 spread or are you... Is that no longer a consideration? Yeah. yeah, yes. No, no, I think I think it is a consideration because there are still employers, you know, who are, you know, either open for business as usual or, you know, that the spread is still real for their remotely working employees. So, you know, what, what we're telling employers is if your employees are continuing to gather in limited numbers, you need to apply preventative and response measures uniformly to all employees. So whatever policies you're putting in place, it has to apply equally to to everyone. We're mitigating any sort of discrimination, disability type claims. And to the extent possible, and I think a lot of employers are doing this now, we're, we're, we're advising flexible work arrangements and flexibility in your existing leave policies. With that, I mean, if you, if you can provide an ability for a uh, employee to work remotely, you know, let's see if we can make that happen. Again, apply it uniformly. But if you can't, maybe more liberally apply PTO, paid time off, or don't enforce, you know, the use of sick leave as stringently as, as you would in a non-COVID-19 environment. That not only goes a long way of encouraging employees and, and loyalty to company, but it also helps uniformly spread out the work to make sure that everything is completed appropriately. And in terms of the government's been taking a lot of action in those areas, in the areas of leave, 
What is the status of leave in terms of what eases have there been put in place for employers, employees around leave? And what's the current landscape there? Right. So as of last night, the landscape changed drastically, dramatically um, when Congress passed, the president signed a new law, basically extending federal family leave and adding paid leave to to that statute for the first time. The new law is called the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. And it was signed on March 18th. It was signed on March 18th and likely to be effective April 2nd. Um, Oh, good to know. It's not effective. Yeah, yeah. The, the statute itself said that it had to go into place within 15 days, but there's now been guidance out that, that it's going to be in effect as of April 2nd. So that I, I don't, doing the math, I think that may be 15 days, but what I understand is April 2nd, and it'll be effective all of 2020. Okay. Um, and and to, the, to the extent this goes any further, Congress will have to renew the law if need be. Okay. And are those changes sweeping? They are sweeping. They're brand new. So the, the law applies to employers with 500 or fewer employees. And unlike traditional FMLA leave, this new law also applies to all public employers. So this is private and public employers with 500 or fewer employees. For companies that have more than 500 employees, they do not have to follow this law, but they can certainly provide paid leave. For Massachusetts employers in this boat, they still need to comply with the Massachusetts paid sick leave law to the extent they have employees, that statute applies. Okay. So, it's, I mean, it's a lot of moving parts, a lot of different statutes, and a lot of interplay here. As far as the paid leave goes, as soon as the statute goes into, uh, into effect, all qualified employees are given 80 hours of paid sick leave. There's no accrual period. The only caveat is that they have to work for the employer for 30 calendar days. So that's either... 30 calendar days before the statute went into effect, or if they reach day 30 after the statute goes into effect, then they're eligible from that date forward. Okay, great. Was there more? There's always more when it comes to a federal statute. I think (laughs) (laughs) just to be clear, so FMLA, the additions here are COVID-19 specific additions. So the leave applies to anyone who is subject to a quarantine, whether a self-quarantine or a government required quarantine related to COVID-19 because they are infected or were in close proximity to an infected individual. That also applies if you have to care for a sick family member who has COVID-19. And perhaps more applicable to the vast majority of people, it also applies if you are unable to work because you have to care for a child who is home because their school was closed because of COVID-19. Okay. This may be a crazy question, but is there any proof that needs to be given for any of those circumstances? So, so it's a great question. Typically, you have to, under FMLA leave, in a non-COVID situation, you have to provide a medical certification. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guidance right now is that most healthcare providers are at capacity at this point to request certifications from healthcare providers would be just almost impossible to do and to achieve at this point. So right now, the guidance is that provide notice and as much information as you can to the employer as, as quickly as possible. But if you need to leave for COVID-19 reasons, the statute will provide the paid leave, absent any formal certification at this point. Okay. 
And if a employee tells the employer that they either have it or they've been exposed to COVID-19, what kinds of obligations are there on the employer's part, on the employee's part? Um, what can an employer do and not do with that information? So if an employee informs the employer that he or she has is infected or with COVID-19 and has a confirmed case or believes that he or she was exposed because he or she traveled to a, a country of interest such as Italy or China or Iran and within those past few weeks, the employer can require the employee to essentially self-quarantine for a period of time. And if the employee is able to work remotely during that period, that, that's fine. If not, then the, then the employee will be subject to whatever leave policies the employer has at that time. And that depends on also depends on whether the employee is a full-time or a part-time or exempt uh, or non-exempt overtime employee. So there's a lot of considerations. So in terms of what an employer can't do once they receive information uh, that one of their employees has COVID-19 or presumed or has been in contact, what are your recommendations to guide employers? So, so employers need to keep that information confidential with respect to disseminating it to their the fellow employees. The information related to COVID-19 of one employee is considered personal health information that the employer can't disclose. They shouldn't release the identity of that employee or a household member to, to other employees. And the only, the only possible exception of releasing more specific information about the employee would be if a public health official or a law enforcement agency requested that information. And we would recommend that the employer speak with the employee, tell them what's going on, and, and have employee consent to, to disclose identifiable information. Otherwise, the employer can contact the agency and say, we have a believed or suspected or a known infected employee, and then they can work with the, the public health agency from that point forward. Okay. Is that how an employer would handle a situation where an employee found out that they did have COVID-19 and were in contact with other employees? So my recommendation would be to work with the public health agency about how to contact the other employees. The employer risks disclosing the private information or the medical information of an infected employee if, if the employer takes it on his own to go start telling other employees that, for example, Bob told me that he, he has coronavirus or suspects that he has it. The employer could tell other employees that there is a fellow employee that is that has a suspected or known case. The problem is if you're in a small company, it leads to a rumor mill and it's probably easy to identify the, the individual that, that is infected. So my recommendation would be to work with public health officials, law enforcement officials as to how to best corral um, that information and then disseminate it. Is there anything in terms of if you have workplace policies and procedures in effect, do you have a recommendation for employers to what extent to loosen them during times like this? Yeah. So my recommendation is to the extent possible, loosen them as much as you can, because there's so much uncertainty during all this. Obviously, it may not be fiscally prudent for an employer to allow for extra PTO. It just may not be possible. 
and by law they do not have to. The employers have to comply with existing leave laws unless directed otherwise by the government. Now, with the paid leave under the federal law, there are requirements. Important for employers to know under that is that they are required to pay the employee, but they will be issued a tax credit at the end of the year for all of the salary that is paid to employees for paid leave. So not only is there a lot of legal issues here, there's also a lot of accounting issues yeah, yeah. Um, and tax issues. But to the extent that an employer can can provide extra unpaid sick leave or unpaid leave of any of any type, um, you know, the employees will greatly appreciate it, and I think it will lead to, lead to more goodwill. Um, again, as I said, with the caveat, to the extent it's possible, the employer always has to worry about keeping the business and keeping the lights on. Yeah. Your thoughts there kind of jarred my memory on um, sort of employer obligations. So these are very nitty gritty, but I think for employees facing layoffs, they're important. If an employer were to do a layoff halfway through a day, is the employer still paying for that day? How do insurance benefits look for that employment? When can they apply for that? Yes. Yeah, so let's start with a you know an hourly employee. He or she is obligated to be paid for the hours that he or she worked on any given day. Okay. If, if he if he or she worked for two hours, and then all of a sudden the employer said we're closing shop today, that employee is uh, entitled to be paid for those two hours with on the date that the employer shut down. He should be paid, or within six or seven days of the end of the pay period. If it's a salaried employee, and he or she worked at any portion of that day, then he or she is entitled to be paid you know, his regular rate of pay um, okay. for that day. Now, that that kind of answers, I think, the pay questions for the day that they were, the, the company shut down. Mm-hmm. The question now is, I think, you know, all right, I don't have a job for the next four weeks, for example, but this isn't a typical unemployment situation. What, what do I do there? Mass law under federal guidance has liberalized the unemployment benefits. And if you're unemployed for COVID-19 related reasons for four weeks, or more, you can apply for unemployment benefits, and you are considered unemployed as, as that as the statute of regulation traditionally defines those, those individuals. Okay. And can an employer actually, you know, make an employee not work if they are suspected of having COVID-19 or family members? So if the employee is able to work, then the employer needs to have that person work to essentially fire that person or to take some adverse employment action against that individual would essentially amount to violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act or other anti-discrimination statutes because the person is able to work and you could possibly provide an accommodation like letting the person work remotely. Mm -hmm. Can you advise as to what employees should do in terms of notifying um, employees that the business is potentially shutting down? So employers should notify the employees as as soon as, as practicable. Um, that way, employees are on notice. They can make plans. Depending on the size of your company, there are statutes, federal statutes and state statutes that could be implicated where if you're shutting down, you're essentially, what's, it's amounting to a plant closure, which triggers a number of notification and uh, wage issues that, you know, we could do a whole podcast just on that alone. Mm-hmm. Um so the more notice that is provided, the better for the employer as far as from a risk management perspective. Okay. And in terms of employers 
seeking information, whether it's information that they want to share with their employees or information for themselves, are you recommending specific sources to Massachusetts employers for where they can find information that they can trust? The CDC, mm-hmm. anything from the Mass Department of Labor Relations, anything from Governor Baker's office that's coming out, there's basically daily daily notices at this point. Those are the most, what I would call, reliable resources at, at this point. And then obviously speaking with attorneys, accountants, tax managers, people who are keeping up to date on all of the the new guidance and the new laws as they're changing. Uh, I think those those are the best resources. Okay. And what would you say for employers as sort of your, your big takeaway? Like, wh- what is the best thing for them to do during a time of panic and uncertainty? And how can they be there for em- their employees in the best, best way possible? I think that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> take away all the, take away all, like, the legal issues and this is such a scary time. And I think the best way for employers to be there is to have open lines of communications with their employees, be clear about the policies that are in place, be available to answer the myriad of questions that are going to arise from these policies, be on top of guidance coming from federal, state, local authorities, and constantly updating employees as to what's going on. From a legal perspective, employers should be continually reviewing their human resources, their employee policies, contacting legal counsel to make sure that they're in compliance, seeing if there are alternative ways to complete essential functions such as remote working or a limited number of staff in the office at any given time, kind of thinking outside of the box to see what what can be done to ensure operations continue, but also keeping in mind that protecting the health and safety of employees is of the utmost importance. Thank you. That's great. That's perfect advice for employers. Greg, thank you for joining us today. Many of the things that you mentioned, we are placing on our website and we've circulated on our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn if you search for Barton Gilman. There are a number now of um, blog posts just dedicated to COVID-19. And we will also add the act that you mentioned that President Trump signed yesterday. We'll place that on our website as well. But thank you so much for all your information and for all of your time today, Greg. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. The content provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal advice or to form an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to seek legal advice from a Barton Gilman attorney, please visit us at www.bglaw.com or call 888-273-9903 for more information. Barton Gilman serves clients throughout the Northeast with offices in Boston, Providence, and New York, offering legal services in a wide variety of matters, including medical and other professional liability defense, premises liability and business litigation, education law, employment, family law, insurance coverage, trust and estates, criminal defense, corporate formation, and intellectual property. The firm and its attorneys have received numerous awards and accolades including Best Lawyers, Best Law Firms, Best Places to Work Rhode Island, Outstanding Philanthropic Business, the Common Good Award, and Super Lawyers. For more information about Barton Gilman, please visit our website at www.bglaw.com or call us toll-free at 888-273-9903.
273-9903.